When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Well, if you were thinking about getting a new Ford, you're probably going to have to wait. Uh, according to Ford, uh, they're going to have 40 to 45,000 cars nearly finished, but lacking crucial parts until the end of the third quarter. The shortage this time, uh, sure, there's a chip shortage. Uh, sure, there's some other shortages that they can't quite get the cars to market. But now the Ford logo, the, <laughs> the blue oval Ford logo, they can't, they can't get enough of them. I know. So there won't be any, any Fords because they won't have the oval badge to affix to the exterior of the vehicles. So darn the luck. Now, apparently the company has considered 3D printing the iconic insignia, but uh, they don't want to do that. Huh. So we're just going to live without the logo and let the cars sit. That's perfect. Just perfect. Now, it's said in some of the stories that... Before the global financial crisis. Now it doesn't say what dates that was. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure when the global financial crisis began. Uh, you know, okay. But they said they needed money so desperately that it pledged the Blue Oval as collateral to secure financing. So apparently that's over with now. Um, they don't. They didn't use uh, the blue oval for collateral again. Now they just can't get it made. Oh no! I know it's sad. So, you know, will we ever see just Ford cars driving around without the blue Ford logo? Probably not. But uh, I would say, you know, maybe a three D print them and glue them on there. Maybe hire an artist and just give them a paintbrush and set them at the beginning of the cars you've got all rowed up, 40 to 45,000 of them, and just have him paint, or her, I'm sorry, just have the artist uh, paint the old Ford logo on the cars just to get them out there to the marketplace. But, you know, again, uh, I say it quite often and I think I mean it. What do I know? Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. So once again, we have a bargain hunter at an estate sale that finds something worth a fortune. A bargain hunter in Maine went to a, an estate sale looking for a KitchenAid mixer, a bookshelf, or some vintage clothing. And then uh, looked uh, while they were walking through the estate sale, said, hey, that's kind of a cool looking framed document hanging on the wall there. What do you want for that bad boy? And I said, oh, you know what? Well, it's been hanging there for a while. Why don't you give me 75 bucks for it? Oh, okay. Well, once we did that, we realized that uh, it is worth about $10,000. It is a manuscript 
that uh, is from the 13th century. It was used about 700 years ago in Roman Catholic worship. (laughs) Uh, The document is uh, worth about $10,000. So it's a pretty good investment at the old estate sale. 75 bucks for the medieval times document. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's an elaborate an elaborate script in Latin, along with musical notes and gold flourishes. A uh, sticker said 1285 A.D. And based on what we've seen in the manuscripts class, uh, the document looked downright medieval. That's because it was. And so you never know what you're going to get at those yard sales. I'm sorry, estate sales. So just keep your eyes open when you're out there looking for the old... KitchenAid mixer or a bookshelf or maybe a nice new blouse that uh, someone wore 50 years ago that would look good on you. Make sure you look at the stuff hanging on the walls. So I saw a tweet uh, that I was tagged in at JeffyJFR that uh, had a picture of the Hurricane Tracker app. And this was from, uh, you know, yesterday. And it showed that Tampa Bay was smack dab in the middle of the cone of death. And that was happening. And remember, I talked about how, uh, you know, sometimes when it crosses Cuba, it falls apart and weakens and it takes a while for it to strengthen. But uh, this storm went across Cuba pretty fast and it looks like it didn't really break up any. It just kind of uh, huddled together and is going to intensify quickly once it gets back over water. But uh, I saw the tweet said, I feel like I remember uh, me, Jeffy JFR, saying that storms always move away from Tampa at the last minute. Well, that started back in 2004 when I was working in Tampa Bay and Hurricane Charlie had its eye on Tampa Bay and it we evacuated. It was all it was the same thing that's happening now. A little bit uh, a little bit uh, longer in uh, in time as far as evacuations go for Tampa Bay. And we did think it was coming into Tampa Bay. We evacuated the radio station. We were at our Operation Stormwatch bunker, all of it. And then at the very end, it swerved to the right below Tampa Bay and cut across the state. It looks as though uh, the latest advisory as of this recording has in moving farther east, the farther southeast. So it's not, you know, Tampa Bay is still in the cone of death. And it could still wobble toward Tampa Bay. And I know that Jim Cantor from the Weather Channel is on Clearwater Beach. And I know all the, you know, the Cantor, uh, you know, stories of uh, if he's in your neighborhood, you should have left already. (laughs) But even he's saying uh, it looks as though this storm, you know, he's not at uh, Storm Center now. Uh, because it's dropped down. And then we had a scientist talk to us uh, on the air after Charlie, I think, or maybe, I don't know, I was looking at the hurricanes uh, from the time I was in Tampa Bay. And I was, while I was there, we covered like eight storms. And uh, there in 2004 and 2005, they were relentless. Uh, I mean, it was it started with Charlie and went down the list. There was five, five, five of them, I think, in the two-year period there. It was just like, it felt never-ending. But uh, Charlie was the first one. It was headed right for Tampa Bay, and then it swerved below Tampa Bay. And there was a guy we had on. I don't remember his name. I don't know who you know. I don't know who he was. I wish I did. But he believed that Tampa Bay was not going to get a direct hit anymore because of the shelf and the way that the water landed. So when the storm comes up the coast, it either 
veers east because of you know the weather patterns or if it's coming up the coast like that and start cutting across cuba like that it feels the shelf change and drops down uh you know farther south and cuts across below tampa bay so that's what looking that's what it looks like ian's gonna do is that is that good news well you know uh, it depends on where it hits. It's not good news. It's going to be a very powerful storm and do a lot of damage. And there's going to be flooding and storms. And if you're in an, an evacuation zone, you should probably think twice about not evacuating. You probably should go. I know in Pinellas County and uh, pretty sure Hillsborough County, they said that uh, they were going to put up mandatory evacuations, but they're not going to force people to leave. However, they made a point of saying, um, you know, we're that if you stay, we're not coming to save you. And, you know, if the storm, depending on where the storm hits and how much, uh, how much water uh, rises, uh, it could be very, very dangerous. We talked to one lady that was in a hurricane in Texas and she ended up sitting on her washer and watching the water continue to rise up above the washer in her home until it finally stopped. I mean, obviously we talked to her, so she was still alive, but she said, you know, she would, uh, she would not do that again. She was very. She thought. She thought that was it because the water just continues to rise. That's the the storm surge. The uh, we one of the guys that I used to work with lived through Andrew that cut across Florida and did all the damage uh, in Florida, and they survived with a mattress over them in the tub. He and his wife and his daughter. Uh, you know, they thought that was it. It was you know the end of time, and many people you know didn't survive and or survived like that fearing for their life. So if you have an opportunity to uh, evacuate, it's probably a pretty good idea. However, it looks as though this storm Ian is dropping down and going to hit Florida. Uh, and I don't want it. To, I want it to dissipate and just go away. Poof. Uh, you know, drop some, drop some sand, drop some pebbles in the middle of that storm with the Hurricane Hunter airplane and make that thing dissipate. If we could do that, that would be wonderful. But it looks as though uh, Tampa Bay will not get the direct hit, although that could change on the next day, you know, as the advisories continue to come out, but probably not. However, I will say that if it drops down and cuts across Florida, you know, it makes it closer, uh, hitting Florida as, uh, as moving pretty fast. If it cuts across straight across Florida, it means it's going to start heading up. It's probably not going to head directly out into the Atlantic. It will head up to the coast, which means the Carolinas, uh, and will have some, some more damage than they had anticipated from Ian. So it's still a very dangerous storm and everyone needs to be concerned. No question when you're inside that cone of death and they also now they have the double cone of death you know they have the main cone of death and then they have well this is what we're predicting after uh you know if it sticks inside this cone of death this is what's going to happen after <laughs> so just be careful i don't want anything bad to happen to anyone but it looks as though uh that tampa bay is not going to have the direct hit which you know that's my that's the mothership Tampa Bay, I love it, and uh, uh, I'm I'm happy that that's not going to happen because we thought it was going to happen with Charlie for sure. Uh, that was back in '04, like I said. So anyway, keep your fingers crossed and pray that uh, you know people uh, are not hurt or family members hurt during this storm. It's a very dangerous storm, and if you have the availability and chance to get to safety, do so and do it now because uh, it's coming. <laughs> 
and it ain't going to stop. So do what you got to do, but get out of harm's way. That's my public service announcement for today. Uh, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. So I mentioned uh, last week that Avatar was going to be released uh, back in the theaters this weekend, the original Avatar, of course, so that they brought attention to, you know, the way of water that's coming. And, uh, you know, they want to get over that $3 billion mark. I don't know if they're going to get over that $3 billion mark, though, for the highest grossing film of all time. Uh, It did win. The headlines uh, say that it wins the global weekend box office. Well, the remastered re-release and everybody loves the way it looks. Even James Cameron says he was surprised at how good it looks. Were you, James? Were you? But that's global. All right. It uh, got uh, like 30.5 million performance globally. And so, but it only brought in like 10 million domestically. So it did not uh, do number one here in, uh, here in the States. It uh, placed third behind uh, Don't Worry Darlings, 19.2 million, and The Woman Kings, 11.1 million. And then uh, Avatar, and then there were The Barbarians, and Pearls. I mean, nobody's, I mean, holy cow. Uh, Don't Worry Darlings, number one, at 19.2 million. Not really that good, but uh, Avatar is now uh, two billion eight hundred and seventy-seven million eight hundred and ninety-seven thousand three hundred and thirty-nine dollars. So it's number one uh, for you know highest-grossing film. Avengers: Endgame uh, sits at number two with two billion seven hundred and ninety-seven million five hundred and one thousand three hundred and twenty-eight dollars. But it certainly doesn't look like. Uh, um, uh, Avatar is going to hit three billion, but I mean, yeah, you never know. You never know. We'll see. But uh, we're all looking forward to the way of water, aren't we? No, no. I mean, aren't we? Now you don't have to answer. That's fine. I see where uh, James Earl Jones, ninety-one, ninety-one years old. Wow, good for James, man. He has now given his blessing for his voice to be digitally recreated to keep Darth Vader alive. Okay, I mean, we've seen the, uh, you know, digitally de-aged characters of Mark Hamill and the Book of Boba Fett and, uh, and so other digitally uh, recreated uh, via AI. So uh, now we're looking at uh, voices of some of these legend, legacy actors being digitally recreated. So, okay, good. I mean, James, I'm sure it's going to the, you know, James Earl Jones bank account. <laughs> Sure, go ahead. You can recreate my voice. Put the money in this account, please. Even after I die, put the money into this account, please. That would be that would be great. I mean, James has got so, so many iconic voice work that it's pretty. It would be silly of him not to own what's his, right? I mean, everybody wants to own what's theirs. Hello, so uh, he is giving. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he's like, I don't have to work anymore. And they're just going to give me cash for my digitally recreated voice. Okay. So thank you for listening to Chewing the Fat. I appreciate it. If you're listening to the show right now and you're not a subscriber to the show, uh, please do so. Uh, with the show is free. I don't know why you're just listening without being a subscriber. Nobody likes a free loader. It's free. Just 
become a subscriber. It's just that simple. Everybody, you know, you get, it's free. All right. Everybody likes stuff for free. They just don't like free loaders. So be a subscriber. Okay. Thank you. I see where uh, the CIA has started a podcast. Makes me think I probably should subscribe. Uh, just so that, uh, I don't know. I'm torn. Do I subscribe so that, uh, you know, I'm okay. They think I'm all right. I'm listening. Or do I, or do, if I subscribe, am I back on another list? I don't know. (laughs) They, uh, they opened a museum. So it's off limits to the public, of course, but they're going to put some stuff online and they're hosting a podcast called the Langley files. And it's uh, hosted by D and Walter, first names only for these CIA employees. The first guest last week, oh, I missed the first episode, darn it, was CIA director William Burns, who explains the thinking behind the media venture. Oh, I bet it was just because they want to open up and they want to be as open as they can and let people realize. Let's see what he says. We do usually operate in the shadows, out of sight, out of mind. But I think it's important to explain ourselves the best we can and to demystify a little bit of what we do. Uh huh. Anyway, uh, so the museum is kind of cool and it's got some cool stuff in it. There's no doubt about that. It's got the bread box size replica of the house in Kabul where uh, the CIA tracked down uh, bin Laden's accessor, uh, Aman el Zaghari, uh, which is killed in the missile strike. And, you know, they show our president uh, sitting there at the. Uh, the table with the national security team they're all with their masks on but he is not and uh, so it looks like a really kind of a cool place uh if you could get in to see it it'd be kind of cool uh it's got the ceiling covered with a variety of white black spy codes and there's a section in morris code and uh other displays dominoes in code as well as ciphers and it's it's kind of cool, although it's never been open to the public. You have to you know either be a CIA staff or an official visitor. But uh, I guess they're going to put some of the stuff online, which would be kind of interesting to see. And plus, you get the podcast right with uh, with what's their faces, uh, D and Walter, <laughs> the Langley Files. So I'm torn. I don't know if I should subscribe, or I don't know that I want to be on the CIA list. I'm already on the list. I'll probably subscribe. Oh, yeah. Did you watch the rocket smash into the asteroid yesterday? It was awesome to see 330 some million dollars worth of NASA equipment smash into a space rock and then go dark. Wasn't it? I, 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 didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, obviously, we talked about it. We knew that the rocket was going to fly straight into the asteroid. And that's what you're going to get, right? The cameras are on the rocket. And you're going to get it smashing and it's going to go dark. And that's what we got. So it was like a little, I don't know, it was a little expected more. We expect more because it's like a Hollywood production, but it's not a Hollywood production. We didn't have another rocket ship go up with it. To, you know, have a separate camera watching it smash into the rocket. You would hope, you'd think maybe that NASA would have had a camera like uh, pop off of it. With uh, just pop off, poof, just before the, the crash. So we'd be able to see it crash. That would just be me, okay? So you, when you get, it's traveling at like, I don't know, 14,000 miles an hour or something. So when you get that minute away from the from the, the hitting the space rock you deploy a, a camera 
uh, poof to pop and it pops off and then you turn it toward the space rock so you can watch the rocket smash into the space rock. So it would be like an actual Hollywood production. I was hoping for maybe that, I guess, but we didn't get that. We just got the dart system smashing into the old amorphous and then that was it and everybody was happy and we'll know whether we've knocked it off course in the next couple of months so that's good news for that and we only spent i don't know 320 330 million dollars on that no problem and so it's, we're good to go and we're gonna go it was fun wasn't it yes it was stop it you know you watched even if you didn't watch it live you know you looked at it So I see where the NFL has uh, announced that it is replacing the Pro Bowl. Yes, it's going to uh, replace it with the Pro Bowl games featuring week-long skills competitions and a flag football game. So the new event will replace the full contact showcase, but it hasn't been really a full contact showcase in quite a while. The players pretty much go really easy on it, but uh, this is going to be, they're going to showcase their football and non-football skills in challenges over several days. The 2023 games will be held in Las Vegas and a flag football game at Allegiant Stadium is on February 5th. Peyton Manning and his Omaha Productions Company will help shape programming and promote the event's content throughout the week. Wow, so that's uh, that's a big deal. I would not be surprised to see Pat McAfee be a part of that as well. Uh, the Pro Bowl is uh, something that uh, they've been looking at for a while, uh, you know, evolving it. They got feedback from the players. Nobody wants to nobody wants to get injured during the the Pro Bowl game. It's just it's not worth it to them. You know, it's, it, they, they're thankful to be uh, part of the Pro Bowl, but it's not. They don't want to hurt themselves. I mean, there have been players hurt themselves and cost them darn near a career by you know playing in the in the All Pro game, so or the Pro Bowl game, and uh, you know so I mean it's been going on since like the fifties, and it's been it's been played all over. It's in L A for a long time, and they moved it to Hawaii, and then they tried to move it to uh, Orlando. It was in Orlando for a while. It was in several different places. I know it was in Miami and Phoenix and Vegas. I thought Orlando had a pretty good idea with it, but you know, anyway, they uh, it's been going for you know quite a long time since the early '50s. So anyway, the Pro Bowl is no more, but the Pro Bowl games will be taking place that week. Uh, well, February fifth, the Legion is February fifth, so the Super Bowl is. February 12th, so that's the week uh, between uh, the final playoff game and the uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, so there you go. There you have it. Uh, Congratulations. I see where Brett Favre is. You know, he's been taking a beating. We talked a little bit about it, about his deal going on down there. (laughs) And he's been, uh, you know, scamming some money for the university with the governor 
and uh, you know Mississippi has filed suit against them once they got the text messages it's been it's a strange convoluted fraud that was going on I, I don't know that Brett will be charged uh, I thought he had it all he's paid the money back so I'm not sure what all comes of this but he does a talk show or some sort of sports show on Sirius XM NFL radio uh, that's now on hold uh, it was a Sunday. That's now on hold. Right? Brett, uh, maybe you take a little break from the old radio show. You're in a lot of heat these days. Why don't you just take a little bit of a break, okay? So we'll see what happens to Brett. But he's been, uh, you know, he's been under fire for the last couple of weeks for sure over this fraud case, this welfare scandal. And I thought he'd paid all the money back, but apparently that doesn't matter anymore because we've got to, uh, we've got to bring down the hammer on this uh, building of a project for the his daughter's college team. So, okay, all right. And for you uh, NASCAR fans, NASCAR today, Jimmy Johnson has retired. That's what he said. He said he's retiring. Jimmy Johnson, seven-time NASCAR Cup Series winner, announced he is retiring from full-time participation in motorsports. Now, just two years after he pivoted from NASCAR to IndyCar racing, he's 47 years old now, and he plans to spend more time with his wife and two daughters as he looks to focus on special one-time races. Perhaps he should take uh, some notes. Maybe Tom Brady needs to take some notes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and maybe uh, maybe spend some more time with the wife and the kids. It's just a thought. It's just a thought. I mean, Jimmy is one of the one of the goats of NASCAR, right? I mean, he's uh, he's the only driver to win five consecutive championships. Uh, one of only three to win seven total. He's got 80, 83 total victories. He ranks in the top seven all time wins. Uh, you know, good for him. Good for him. He's the he's the guy. If you ain't, uh, you know, hey, I mean, you're grinding. You ain't grinding. You're driving. You're racing. Uh, whatever the line is for NASCAR. We used to, I used to run this show uh, on a sports station that I worked at a thousand years ago, and it was called NASCAR to NASCAR Today, and the voice of NASCAR Today, man. I don't know if that guy's still alive. I don't know if they digitally remix his voice for their audio, but he carries his man parts around in a wheelbarrow, man. NASCAR today. Love that guy. And as long as we're talking about sports and competition, we have Fat Bear Week coming up from Katmai National Park. I'm looking forward to it now. They have started the uh, junior bracket, which was revealed uh, yesterday, for those of you listening live. Uh, to Chewing the Fat today is the 27th of September 2022. So they released it on the 26th. And so the 29th and 30th, they square off for the Fat Bear Junior uh, Week, trying to make it uh, to the full Fat Bear Week competition. Then uh, they have the bracket release uh, on 10-3, October 3rd, next week, uh, for those of you listening live. So between October 5th and October 11th, we have the Fat Bear Week matchup. Uh, we have to go through it again. And I love Fat Bear Week. And so I'm going to have to talk to, you know, we've talked to some of the uh, camp workers 
I don't know that they appreciate me calling them camp workers, you know, the park rangers. And uh, during Fat Bear Week at the Katmai National Park, but uh, Fat Bear Week is a lot of fun. And, you know, you've had uh, 128 Grazer and 32 Chunk and 151 Walker. There's some fat bears, man. And if you can, you can watch them online. Uh, they have the video cameras set up, uh, eating their fish and getting fatter as the day grows longer. And uh, it actually grows shorter. That's why they're going to sleep. Anyway, and uh, so, I mean, Fat Bear Week is coming up. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to Fat Bear Week. I will say that, uh, you know, we have cameras set up at Katmai Park. Why didn't we have a camera, you know, just shoot off the rocket ship so we could watch it hit the space rock? I'm still bummed that that didn't happen, to be honest. I thought I mean, we spent all that money and it didn't happen. But we do have cameras up at uh, Katmai National Park so you can watch the, the bears eat. And that's going on right now. And you can vote on... Now, we'll talk about the... Uh, We'll talk about the Fat Bear Week matchups and uh, the brackets when that happens uh, the first part of October. But Fat Bear Week is coming, and the Bears will be a-fighting each other. Who is the fattest in 2022? So I see where Edward Snowden uh, gets a Russian passport. Congratulations uh, to uh, Ed Uh, the former U.S. intelligence contractor who leaked files exposing the NSA's surveillance operations, was granted Russian citizenship yesterday. Uh, Snowden was first granted asylum in Russia in 2013 when he blew the whistle and received permanent residency in 2020. His citizenship announcement uh, led some Russians to joke about whether he could join the military. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's possible that uh, Vlad could say, yeah, here's the passport for you. Now you're in the army, bruh. But uh, we'll see. That's just another way of Vlad slapping down Joe Biden and the Americas. It's a wonderful thing. What is happening with China, too? Okay, so all weekend, I see where Beijing has canceled thousands of domestic flights. They shut down rail services. They were saying that uh, Jinping was uh, in house arrest, and it looked like there was some kind of coup going on, and they didn't know what was happening with the People's Liberation Army. Uh, He was under house arrest. I, I don't know. I don't know, but then I see a story where, you know what, he showed up. Uh, Jinping uh, Tuesday, I guess it's Xi Jinping, uh, appeared in public. I don't want to you know, diminish the leader of China. Uh, he was at some exhibition with all his people. He was out and about. He looks a little puffy in the picture that they have here. I don't know. There might be, is there, is there multiple? We've had stories where there were different uh, Jinping's around, right? So we don't know if there's more than one. And uh, we're assuming that there is. And uh, he was at the exhibition, and the the exhibition was on the great achievements of the Communist Party of China over the past decade. And man, you don't want to miss that. Uh, I guess he spoke at the exhibition. He called for concerted efforts to forge ahead determinedly toward a new victory of socialism with Chinese characteristics. So, yay, yay. And so I guess uh, there was no coup. And if there was, he ended it. Uh, That was the end of it. (laughs) 
maybe he was maybe he was under his own house arrest. I don't know. Maybe you know the zero COVID policy. Maybe he tested positive and just went into hiding for a few days. I don't know. Uh, you can ask him. Ask him and see what he says. Okay. I see where our great leader, former great leader. Well, you could make the case that maybe he still is our leader. Uh, President Barack Obama uh, was in Los Angeles to uh, have a little dinner with his daughters, I guess. Uh, You know, they're in uh, L.A. now. His oldest daughter is pursuing a screenwriting career. Betcha she'll have a few doors open for her. And the younger daughter, Sasha, is studying at the University of Southern California. I I hope everything was on the up and up her getting into USC. I uh, wouldn't want anything. I wouldn't want to have uh, Operation Varsity Blues blow up in Obama's face, although that would never happen. Anyway, they ate at a restaurant called Hamasaku, uh, which features high-end sushi dishes. Well, I would expect nothing less from our former president. The specialty sushi uh, customers can expect to spend $50 for an 8-ounce sushi roll. I'm sure that they ate a little bit more than that. But the big story out of this, uh, Barack, I'm sorry, President, former President Barack Obama uh, in L.A., was that uh, his car was parked in a handicapped spot for a couple hours while he was visiting with his daughters at the restaurant. Now, he can't be. Look, he's got a car. He's got a driver. What are they supposed to do? Park somewhere else? I think not. Now you, the pictures show the car backed into the, uh, backed into the handicap spot and it says more than two hours. I don't know. Was it, was that true? I guess it seems certainly possible rather than they just backed in there. And when he was coming out to, you know, get him in the car and drive him away, I could see that. That's, I mean, if that's not blocking a handicap spot in my view, that's just using it. <laughs> That's using it for a little bit. Yeah, you back in, you, you know, you pick up the man, you drive away. You're not parked there. But according to all reports, it was parked there for a couple hours as he uh, as he was eating with his daughter. So that's nice of the Secret Service. Just to look, we're Secret Service, and we can park anywhere we, anywhere we want. We don't care. Oh, you're handicapped? Tough. Park somewhere else. We don't need a handicapped spot. We're the Secret Service. So, I mean, you know, when you get elite care... You get elite care. And by gosh, I would want Barack Hussein Obama not to get elite care. Would you? Speaking of another elitist, uh, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but it looks now that uh, my man could potentially face charges in the fatal shooting that occurred last year on the set of Rust, according to the Santa Fe County District Attorney, Mary Carmack. Altwise, uh, during a New Mexico board finance meeting held uh, a couple week or so ago, uh, she requested emergency funding in excess of six hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars to continue the investigation into the tragedy that took place uh, in October of 2021, when Baldwin—that's right, I didn't say this fully when Alec Baldwin, you know, did pull the trigger and uh, wounded uh, one and killed one. So uh, apparently, uh, we're they don't even have the final report yet. So, I mean, it's kind of early, and she might not get the funding, and they might just have to shut this thing down, which I'm sure that uh, Alec wants to have happen. But uh, his lawyer uh, said that, uh, hey, 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 
calm down a little bit. Some media reports uh, draw false conclusions based on a letter from the Santa Fe District Attorney. The DA has made clear that she has not received the sheriff's report or made any decisions about who, if anyone, might be charged in this case. And during my communications with the DA's office just a few weeks ago, uh, the funding request was submitted. I was told that it would be premature to discuss the case because they had not yet reviewed the file or deliberated about their charging decisions. Huh. Isn't that weird? Now, they talk about possibly having four separate cases going on because uh, they're, I mean, they want to try someone. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, someone, uh, someone needs to pay, right? I mean, hello. They, they've got, uh, the, the, they've got someone discharged a gun and, uh, killed Helena Hutchins and injured the director, Joel Souza. And it was Alec Baldwin. So they, they want to charge someone. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it's be, they, the reports are that, uh, they could be charging one between one and four people with criminal charges. And each of those charges will probably include some variation of the homicide statute. So we shall see it's still going, but, uh, the elitist, uh, Mr. Alec Baldwin still under fire, even though they had a new baby, he's got like a thousand kids now and he's sold the house and he's looking to, you know, liquidate a little bit of cash. <laughs> I wonder why he needs cash. Huh? Just, I wonder why. I mean, maybe he could reach out to Anoop, the uh, Indian lottery winner. He's an auto driver from the southern state of Kerala. He won uh, 250 million rupees, which I guess is about $3.6 million in a state government lottery. He hasn't gotten any money yet, but he said, uh, I wish I hadn't won. Wow, the third prize may have been even better. So maybe, maybe Alec... Can reach out and see if he can take the money from him. He said that uh, I'm considering moving houses to escape the overwhelming public attention. They made national headlines when he won the prize, the highest prize ever offered in the state for the lottery. He bought the ticket a day before he was supposed to fly to Malaysia for a job after breaking open his son's piggy bank. That's the story. After the news broke of his win, the family received a lot of media attention. He was overjoyed. He says that there were people and cameras at the house and we were happy, but the situation soon got out of control. I can't leave my house. I can't go anywhere. My child is ill and I can't take him to the doctor. Anoop will receive the money, I guess, uh, sometime soon. Uh, he said he'll get 150 rupees after government taxes. I can tell you I haven't gotten any money yet. No one seems to understand my problem, no matter how many times I say it. <laughs> Anoop says he and his family have been staying with relatives to escape the attention. So they aren't at the place. They're staying someplace else. There you go, Anoop. I mean, just get out and get a new place, bro. Take your kid to the doctor. Don't worry about it. The state government has said, hey, we'll arrange a day, uh, day's training program for Anoop on financial management to help him use the money well. Isn't that special? That's nice of him to do that for Anoop. So uh, maybe a noob can help out uh, Mr. Baldwin. Ah, see, thought you'd catch me again. Uh, maybe a noob can help him out and uh, just give it to him. 
I don't know. I'm willing to. I'm willing to take a little off his hands. Uh, you know, a noop. You can just email me chewingthefatattheblaze.com, and uh, you know we can work something out. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm sure everybody's begging him for money, and he just wants to be go back to the life he had. See, that's the thing. You got to be prepared to win. Uh, you know, everybody wants to win the lottery because it's going to save their life. And, you know, everything is wonderful. But even if you have a lot of money, you still have problems. And that's just the way of life. Now, it's really cool. We've talked about it a bunch, right? I mean, you're going to, you have, it's a new set of problems. And I don't know that this is generational changing for Anoop and his family. I certainly hope it is. But uh, maybe he just says, look, leave me alone. Uh, hello. I know he doesn't want to make people mad at him. And he probably has other family members reaching out to help him out. And everybody wants a, well, everybody wants a piece of a noop. <laughs> but one day, you know, he's breaking open his son's piggy bank in hopes to win the lottery. And he finally does win the lottery. And now he wants to be able to just put the money back in the piggy bank and become the old noop. And that's not the way it works. Sorry to sorry to bum you out there, Anoop, but that's not the way it works. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.